0: Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be in church this morning and to, to see you all here. Um, yeah, no, no young people, of course, so they're all upstairs practicing. And uh, we wish them well for next week, and, and we're looking forward to what they're doing. Psalm 135 uh, says this Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for that is pleasant. That's interesting, isn't it? So sing praise to his name, for that is pleasant. And uh, I'm hoping that as we worship together that we will enjoy singing his praise and that we will indeed find that that is a pleasant experience. So let's uh, do that as we come at the beginning of our service. And as you know, it's the first Sunday of Advent, and so we're going to light our first candle. And uh, I've asked Mala to come. For Mala is from Anguiga, and uh, she is uh, new to the church. And uh, I thought, well, maybe this year we'll kind of look at people who have come and from all over the world. So. So we are remembering that Jesus has come, and that uh, we are saying that He is the light of the world. And so let's stand and sing our first hymn, which is Tell Out My Soul, which is based on Mary's song, as she was really excited by uh, His coming and uh, by carrying Him in her womb. And uh, this is based on the Magnificent. So let's stand to sing Tell Out My Soul based on Romans 8, uh, 28, uh, from uh, the lad who sends me uh, these prayers through the week. So let's pray together, and then I'll continue in prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Heavenly Father, perhaps right after John 3.16, this is the first verse that we're taught to cherish and claim. But in reality, we don't claim this scripture. It claims us. It fuels our worship, sabotages our fears, and supersizes our peace. We cannot overknow or overtrust this good news. You are at work tenaciously, wisely, and joyfully. You are presently working in all of our stuff for your glory and our good. Nothing in our past has marked us as a plan B, C, or Z, people. We may have blown it, but you redeem it. Our failures are the garden for your mercy Thank you, Lord God. Nothing in our present limits the promise of your care or the pledge of your presence. Your hand and heart are writing stories we may not see yet. Nothing in our future will separate us from the wonders of your love or hinder or alter the completion of your plan. Thank you, Father. You are God at work in all things for our good, not immediately for our enjoyment or liking. Thank you for not saying yes to all our prayers. For sometimes we ask for things that will simply make life easier and minimize our pain, not for things that will make us more like Jesus, bringing true and lasting freedom. Our demanding hearts often want you to be more like a same-day Amazon delivery, rather than Abba, Father. Thank you for not giving into our pouting and tantrums and attitude of entitlement. Our impatient hearts would settle for fool's gold rather than the riches of your grace. Thank you for your wisdom and big-picture fathering. By the truth of the gospel, help us love you today, with everything we have and are. By the power of your Spirit, enable us to surrender to your purpose rather than stressing over plans and things we cannot control. For the glory of your name, free us to live as your beloved children, excited about our future and at peace with your timetable. So we pray in Jesus' tender and triumphant name. Amen. Well, folks, if you have your Bibles, we're going to continue looking at uh, James chapter 5, and uh, I've asked Sophie to come and read. Uh, Sophie is new to the church as well, and she comes from the beautiful city of Edinburgh, and uh, that's all I'll tell you about her, but you can ask more about her later. So Sophie, yes, please, Sophie's going to read 1 to 12, uh, though we'll be looking at 7 to 12 later on.
1: Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth is rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, it brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned.
0: Well, we're going to sing again, Make Way, Make Way. Again, we're thinking about Jesus, and uh, this is a song, I suppose, that John the Baptist uh, was kind of encouraging us to make way through repentance. Um, And the Holy Spirit, of course, uh, says the same thing, that we might open our hearts and let Jesus come in. So let's stand to sing, Make Way, Make Way. Well, folks, if you have your order service there, we'll quickly look at these announcements. Um, you'll see that next Sunday, uh, we have our Sunday special and K2 Christmas family service. Um, and uh, it does feel very different not having the children in, I have to say. And uh, I think we do miss them. Uh, so looking forward to having them back next Sunday and uh, leading us in our Christmas worship. And we know that they've put a lot of hard work and effort into it, both teachers and Uh, the children, and uh, we want to pray for them as they come to lead us in worship. If you do want to be prayed for, there will be prayer ministry here at the front at the table. Uh, Do come and uh, just give your request to the folks who are there, and they will pray for you. The moderator's appeal for Indonesia. We thank God for the money raised, uh, 2,150 euros from this church. Um, And as you may uh, remember, Uh, We sent uh, as a church uh, denomination 67,800 euros uh, to uh, tier fund and to uh, Christian Aid uh, in Indonesia for the earthquake and tsunami relief. uh, That event happening on the 28th of September. And I think that money is still uh, coming in as well. So thank you for being part of that magnificent effort. Uh, Church membership classes continue today. Uh, those that have been coming, again, we'll meet at a quarter two. Uh, we might be able to meet a bit earlier. We'll see how this service finishes up. Uh, but you'll, we'll sort of talk to one another in the mezzanine floor there. Uh, yeah, Carl, we have next Sunday there. You see number five, uh, that the um, the folks are meeting for their, um, uh, their, their Christmas party. Uh, I was just thinking you need to respond. I presume that's already been done uh, today to Karen or to carol, and the older ones are going ten-pin bowling. Uh, carols by candlelight, you'll see that uh, there is a practice uh, for music, um, and we really do want to encourage people. I want to say to, to those who didn't uh, weren't at the Walk of Light uh, that the Walk of Light went tremendously well and that this church was absolutely jam-packed. Um, but what was particularly uh, exciting was the music and uh, the the group that got together the solos that were sung um, and really that was hugely commented upon Uh, people uh, the hospitality and also david uh, boyd who uh, both planned our side of it and spoke uh, with great power and with great clarity about the gospel so i want to say thank you in that context but also in that context to say folks it's great to be part of a church choir and to sing the Lord's praise. And we have that from the Scriptures, as I read this morning, that that is a pleasant thing to do. It's a command of Scripture to praise the Lord. Um, Hallelujah. And uh, it is also a pleasant thing to do. So I want to encourage as many as possible to turn up on Saturday the 15th at 10.30 um, uh, to 1 o'clock, and then there will be pizza as well, and to practice the songs that we'll be singing uh, the following Sunday at our Carls by Candlelight service. Um, Bible reading notes, I kept that in for another uh, week. I haven't seen Denise, but um, uh, it was to be in last week, so I just left it there. If anybody really does want to have the Bible study notes, they really do need to talk to Denise today, um, uh, either by contacting her there or, or speaking with her. Asset hampers, uh, next Sunday is your final deadline. Uh, So if you haven't already called Lynn uh, and you want to do that, you need to do that and get your profile and get that in next Sunday. Uh, International Cafe, across uh, over the page. Um, Again, I just want to speak to this because International Cafe are meeting next week at 6 p.m., 1800 hours uh, on Friday, the 7th of December. We're going to have a light uh, meal together and then we're going to walk to the just one carol service um, and I'm hoping that many people will come. So people are welcome and of course you and the church are welcome and if you want to get tickets for that let me know um, and uh, we'll try and get tickets for that as well. So that's happening uh, next Friday, both the International Cafe meeting at 6 and then the carol service in the National Boxing Stadium at 7.30. I do want to say to you that I am pretty sure that will be a very special service. Uh, with a very special speaker. And if you can go and invite somebody, I would really want to encourage you to do that. And then a date for your diary to finish, uh, carol singing, an eight of tear fund. And again, this is a great opportunity for us as a church to, in a local area, St. Stephen's Green Shopping Center, just to proclaim Jesus uh, on that day, Thursday the 20th, between 6 and 8 p.m. And uh, we need people to help us in that. And if you want more information. You can talk to Karen Thompson about that as well. So I think those are all the announcements. And as we prepare to hear God's word, we're going to just sing one of these songs. So we're going to sing, stand and sing, speak, O Lord, as we come to you. Well, folks, if you have your Bibles, please open them at James chapter 5. And we'll be looking at verse 1, verse 7 onwards. Sorry. Where is that now? Am I doing that or are you doing that? Can we put up the first slide? Sorry. I'll let you do it. Okay, just leave that there a minute. Now, if we go. So we're going to look at chapter 5 and verses 7 to 12. um, And Uh, I want to show you the next picture, if you put that up for me, Ricardo. So, you know who this is? I'm sure even our visitors know who that is. Do you know who that is, Marcelo? It's an Irishman, indeed it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, we know that that most people know (laughs) that that is Joe Smith, um, and he is the... uh, coach of the irish rugby team he has actually as you know successfully managed moulded, and coached a very formidable team they are world team of the year he is world coach of the year and one of their players johnny sexton is world player of the year and they have successfully faced a series of autumn tests and they've passed those tests brilliantly, winning every game and defeating the world number one team, New Zealand, for the first time in Ireland. And everybody in Ireland is proud of them. And one of the brilliant things that Joe Smith does, apparently, is that he deals with each player and he is able to point out what they need to work on in terms of their positives and negatives, and he instills in them the idea of process. That is a big idea in sport, and I hear that he is fair and firm in the way with the players. He wants to get the best out of them for the good of the team, and they must listen, buy in, and obey all that he says. And I believe that is exactly what James wants from us. In a similar way, you see the pressure on these believers in James's day is intense. They face a huge test. They are being treated unjustly. They are suffering unjustly because of the reality of the society that they live in. These rich people are giving them a hard time and not looking after them properly. You have to remember, of course, that they've been forced from their homes and they have been scattered, as we saw in chapter 1 and verse 1. They they have stood up for Jesus and they have been scattered and had to leave all that they held dear in their home place. And now he wants to teach them, as it were, how they are to survive in that difficult situation that's why it says then verse 7 by the way be patient then or be patient therefore brothers and sisters james is a good spiritual coach he recognizes the pressure they are under in the world and he is giving them instruction that if they are to be successful they need to heed and to follow and they are a team Following the Lord Jesus, helping each other, working together to overcome the challenges of the opposition, to be standing firm through the judgment, and to be welcomed into the presence of their Lord. You can understand James's passion, his strong instruction, and his absolute commitment to them as a church. That's why he calls them his brothers and sisters. Indeed, he has been coaching throughout the letter. He's been telling them how they need to live. In chapter one, he spoke to them about prayer and the need to seek God's wisdom in trials and temptations. In chapter two, he spoke to them of the need to serve in a caring capacity of ministry. In chapter three, he spoke to them of the need to control their speech and not be critical of others. In chapter four, he warned them of friendship with the world, of selfishness of the need to take their sins seriously, and of the danger of living their lives without reference to God. And now in chapter 5, he's going to speak to them and to us about patience. And so the big idea, I think, of these verses is that faith meets life's tests and through patience grows into full maturity of settled character. So when the pressure comes, both from within and without, how are we to react? We are to be patient, and we are to persevere. Now, the second idea that we need to get in our minds before we look at the actual text itself is the idea of the second coming. That's partly why I wanted to do that today, because it's the beginning of Advent. That's what Advent means. It celebrates the coming of Jesus, His first coming when He came as a baby uh, through Mary, And then his second coming, when he will come as judge. If you have your Bibles there, just look at it. Just, you see that there in verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. 8. Be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Verse 9. Do not grumble with each other, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And then in verse 11, and it's not as easy to see in verse 11, but the second half of that verse says, You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The word finally is telos, and that is the end when Jesus comes again. Now it's interesting here, isn't it, that James doesn't actually say anything about the second coming. He just puts it out there, and they're meant to know. What that means. So I've made a list of things. I, I think it's just good for us to take a moment to think about it. Uh, what were the things that they were told by Jesus and by James and others? Well, firstly, that the second coming would be preceded by signs. Signs in the world of chaos and of wars, of famines and of earthquakes, and of, a, I suppose, a whole ratcheting up of sort of phenomenal signs. That when Jesus come, it would be visible and unmistakable. Nobody will doubt when Jesus comes back again, because the whole world will know it. The Bible tells us that we're in the last days, and so it's imminent, but we don't know when he will come again. We're told, of course, that when the second coming comes, that, that there will be no opportunity for people to repent, that their time will have come. And we're also told that it will mark the end of suffering and struggle with sin for the believers. We're told that there's a separation of believers and unbelievers, one to heaven and the other to hell, in a final act of judgment. And we're told that we will see God face to face, that we will be part of a new heaven and a new earth, that we will be given this fantastic, glorious new body, and that we will have absolute eternal security. It will be the most wonderful experience for every true believer. And we will see that what the Lord finally brought. And I love that. If you do look at that, listen, just see how this works. You have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. We have not yet seen how full of compassion and mercy the Lord is. And we will see it at the second coming. The Lord has the final say. He is the omega. He stands when all else is burned up. And that's the context for the believer's suffering. It's the context for the church's struggle, because there is a very definite end point. That's our hope, and that's why we're to do what James says, be patient and persevere. So that's the context. And let's see what we've got, I think. So firstly, patience bears fruit. You'll see that in verses 7
1: to 9.
0: I wanted to tell you an experience of being in Kenya. And I know that Susan's here, and she'll understand this. Susan's actually from the area that I went to in Kikuyu. So when I'm in Kikuyu, I have a little house um, uh, probably like that house in the background, and it has a garden it 's called a shamba, and uh, I was brought up, my father was good at growing vegetables, and so I decided that I would grow vegetables in my shamba and so it came to the near the time of the rains, and I thought well i 'll get a march on the rains i 'll go out and i 'll dig my shamba and so I went out. I had a housemaid at the time, and she watched me going out the back with my spade. And after about one minute, I realized that this was an impossible task. It was like rock. I just, I couldn't even get the spade in probably about an inch. I just couldn't get it in at all. And my maids look at me out the back, and I'm a stubborn kind of individual. And so I stayed out for 15 minutes. And I don't think I even turned a single part of that soil. And whenever she came in, she just said, Mizungu, which is a kind of a sort of term of endearment not, uh, with white people. So that's how they call white people, crazy mzungu. (laughs) Because you cannot dig and you cannot plant until the rains come. Listen to what James says. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You see, at the moment, we struggle with our sinful nature. Relationships are often difficult and broken. There is injustice. There is crime. There is dishonesty. There is inequality. Our bodies are weak, and we get sick, and we grow old, and tragedies happen. And as David Turner reminded us so helpfully last week in Psalm 74, we often asked, why, O Lord, and how long, O Lord? James's answer is in verse 7, until the Lord's coming. This, though hopeful, can be seen, of course, to be very pessimistic. But patience is, is in the difficulty, bears the valuable crop. And this is where we experience more of Jesus. I, I've kind of struggled, I think, maybe to communicate this. I was trying to think, how can I communicate that? I, I suppose we see it in people, don't we? People have had to struggle. We see maybe children whose upbringing has been difficult, and often they they turn out to have good personalities. They have tenacity. We see just that God does things in their lives. And the reason for that, spiritually speaking, of course, is when we have to die to ourselves, and the Holy Spirit brings more of Christ to us. This, by the way, is the process so loved by sports coaches and by spiritual coaches like James. And I think the key to the whole of James is in in chapter 4, verse 6, and also in verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. What he's saying here is, look, it's not going to be easy, but you have to humble yourself. You have to wait for the Lord. You have to trust in him. You have to have faith. You're not to be double minded or doubt. You're to die to self. You're to hold to the teaching of Jesus. And you're to keep living this out positively in the church and in the world. And James, of course, knows that that's not an easy thing to do. He knows that we're weak and that when we're squeezed, a bit like a tube of toothpaste perhaps, when we squeeze it, The toothpaste comes out. So what comes out when we're put under great pressure? Well, we tend to want to give up, don't we? It's easier to give up. It's easier to say, I'm not coming to church anymore. I'm not getting involved with this Christianity. It's too difficult. I'm not going to keep doing what I'm asked to do. I'm not going to keep forgiving. I'm not going to keep serving. I'm just going to keep living for myself. And that's why he says, don't do it. Look, verse 8, be patient and stand firm. Guard your heart. And of course, when we're squeezed as well, what happens is we tend to get critical, and we tend to speak negatively of others, and that's why he speaks in verse 9, don't grumble against each other. And that's what he's trying to get us to do. We are to watch our hearts, because actually, if you see the word stand firm, it literally means establish your hearts. Folks, we have to make a choice. We have to make a choice if we're going to follow this process. Some of you will know that I'm involved with a hockey team. We got beat by a team from the lower division in the Irish Senior Cup two weeks ago. And the guy who was coaching said, we're not following the process. You've got to buy in to the process. You've got to hold to the patterns that we've established. You've got to keep at what you're doing, even when it's tough. And that's the challenge, isn't it, to us? We have got to stand firm. We have to determine in our hearts that we want to do what God wants to do, that we will be spiritually alert, that we will struggle with sin, that we will resist the devil, that we will search the Scripture that we will determine to follow their teaching, that we will be careful with our hearts, that we will not love idle money or self. And that is a tough ask because of the pressure that the world puts on us, and so we need God's help to do that. And we must determine, folks, that we will not speak critically of others, that when we point a finger, we've got fingers pointing back at ourselves, and James says, by the way, remember the Lord's coming. So the time of struggle is time limited. And if we don't, then we'll be judged. And this is never a comfortable or easy experience. We, are to, we will be sifted and refined and the rough edges will be taken off and our sinful hearts exposed because the good coach, James, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, wishes that we will get the very best out of us, which is what the Spirit brings within us. So be patient, folks, under pressure. There's a valuable crop, a good fruit, that is to be produced in us. And we know that this pressure is time-limited and is under the Lord's control. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. And secondly, uh, sorry, we are to stand firm. Oh, well, go ahead. No, that's another one. Stand firm. No grumbling. Next one. Okay. Perseverance brings blessing. I actually really enjoyed this, folks, and if you look at this, you'll see in verse 10, it follows the same pattern. Uh, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets. So we've had the farmer uh, in his uh, field, and now we have the prophets. So James is saying the prophets uh, experienced hardship, and so will we. He says they persevered, and so we are to persevere. And he says they were considered blessed, and so we are to be, will be considered blessed as well. So I had a bit of, um, I don't know, I I mean, how much we actually know of the prophets. I was surprised at how little I actually know of the prophets. Um, And that's not to say I haven't read them or in that way, but I've never preached Jeremiah, I've never preached Ezekiel, haven't preached Hosea, and I haven't preached Job. And that's four out of the five that I have here. So we'll have to think about that in time. So Jeremiah, Do you know what happened to Jeremiah? He came from a town called Anathoth. And the people in Anathoth hated him. And they said, Jeremiah, stop saying what you're saying, or else we'll kill you. But he persevered. Do you know what happened to Ezekiel? His wife died suddenly. And the Lord said to him, you are not to grieve publicly. Why are you not to grieve publicly? Because the people that you speak to do not take their sin seriously, and they do not mourn, and you are to be a visual aid to them. Yes, you can grieve privately, but you're not to do it publicly. And that was tough. Daniel, as we know because well we have preached Daniel, he suffered war and defeat, and he was exiled away from his family as a young teenager. That was tough. Hosea, many of you will know about Hosea. He was told to marry an unfaithful woman and take her as his wife. And so she did what was, she went away again. She went with another man and he was told to forgive her and to have her back and to do it again and to do it again. Because that was a picture of what the people of Israel who had been Married spiritually, as it were, to the Lord had done in their unfaithfulness. And Job. And you'll see that Job, of course, is mentioned here in verse 11, as you have heard of Job's perseverance. That was something that my mother always said to me, by the way. She always said, the patience of Job. That was, you know, "I, I need the patience of Job, she used to say. So I checked the authorized version, and it does say, the patience of Job. But Job is singled out, isn't he? Because Job lost absolutely everything. And he lost absolutely everything, not because he had done anything wrong, but because he was a godly man. And because Satan wanted to test him, and God allowed that to happen. And so he lost his family, and he lost his house, and he lost his money, and he lost his blessing. And yes, Job might be a strange character because he fought with God often and he he wrestled with him, didn't he? But in the end of the day, God changed everything for him. We read in that beautiful chapter, chapter 42, which I reread this week, that Job became a mediator for his friends. The Lord made him prosperous again, it says, materially. And in summary, the scripture says the Lord blessed the latter part of his life more Than the first. And I think we've got to see this. This is what the pattern is. So we might suffer now, but in heaven we will not. We're not living for now, we're living for when Jesus comes back again. That's the ultimate reality for the Christian. And you know, the greatest blessing that Job found, and I think that's what I've been trying to say, wasn't that he got all his money back. It wasn't that he remarried and had another family. It was that he was able to say, I've seen the Lord. Verse 40, 42, or chapter 42, verse 5 My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Not literally, but in his heart. He came across a God who was much bigger than he ever imagined. He came across a God who was better than he ever imagined. He came across a God who was so much in control that all he could do was humble himself under him. And when Jesus prayed his great prayer in John 17, he said, now this is eternal life, that, you, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Folks, one of the greatest things that happened to us in suffering is that we see the Lord and that we come to appreciate who He is because we have nothing else to hold on to other than Him. And that, I think, is why we're to persevere because it brings blessing, the blessing of knowing the Lord in a way that brings us through even death to eternal life. And to finish, James finishes and. Uh, A lot of the commentators, actually, and I I didn't know how this really ties in, actually, you can take 12 as a simple, um, yeah, returning to his final assessment and saying, this is what I want you to do. I have linked it in with verse 9, because whenever we're under pressure, as we said in verse 9, we tend to speak wrongly. And if we take this pressure as well in verse 12, uh, here we have this idea of being under pressure, firstly, not grumbling and now we need, to pro- we need to be careful that we do not promise God things that we don't intend to keep or are un- un- unable to keep. That is the making of promises and oaths. It's quite common, isn't it? And it's very common in our day. Um, so if you're under pressure, what is your intention? Is probably to get out of that tight spot, to get out of what's happening to you. We want to look good. So we tell half-truths. We might even spin the facts. We can often mislead. We can be duplicitous to all to save face. And James actually here follows his half-brother. I was reminded again that Jesus is James's half-brother. And in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5, verses 33 to 37, Jesus says exactly the same thing. When you're under pressure, tell the truth. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Do not try to spin it. Do not try to see a face. Just be honest and tell the truth. And that, I believe, is not an easy thing to do. And you'll need the help of the Holy Spirit because you'll find others won't do the same thing in that situation. And so in conclusion... James is a spiritual coach. He desires to help us to stand the test of our faith, brought on by circumstances, people and society. What passing that test means is keeping going, being faithful to Jesus until he comes back again. And therefore, we know it has an end point. And at that end point, we will be more, we will more fully see the Lord and we will know that he is full of compassion and mercy. And one of the key factors that will see us reach that point and therefore pass the test is patience, trusting God, holding on to God, obeying God in the community of the church. And James says, be patient, stand firm, resolve in your hearts that you will be faithful disciples of Jesus. Don't grumble. Don't turn on your fellow Christians. Be encouraged by the example of the farmer and the prophet, particularly Job. And be very careful what you promise God under pressure. Be honest. Speak the truth. And let that be enough. I think of another slide there, Ricardo. I used to love these things when I was a boy. And I remember getting a survival kit once. These are quite sophisticated survival kits. It is to enable us to survive in the difficulties of the outdoor life. This is what James is saying to us. How are we going to survive as Christians in the hostility that is this world that we live in today? We're going to survive it if we are patient and trust God. And as we'll see at the beginning of next year, we are going to survive it if we take prayer seriously and take our concerns to God. How will we make it through? We will make it through at the beginning of verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters,
1: until the Lord's coming. Let's pray.
0: Father, you have not signed us up for an easy life. You have not signed us up for comfort and material well-being. You have signed us up for a relationship that counts and a relationship that brings fruit and blessing. And, Father, I pray that you will renew in our hearts this morning a deep desire to be disciples of Jesus Christ and to live for him in this world. Father, how needy this world is, how much it needs to see people who care, people who love you, and people who live well for you. Because without it, they will die, and they will perish in eternity. And Father, I pray that we will know that even though it's tough to do that, that we are secure now and forever. And that, Father, that we belong to Jesus, that we belong to the kingdom, and that, Father, that Jesus reigns now at the right hand of the Father. So, Father, I pray that you will help us to listen carefully to your word, that we will be patient, and that we will stand firm, that we will not grumble, and that, Father, that you will put within us a spirit of perseverance for your honor and for your glory. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, let's worship God as we give our offering to him now. And uh, we can sing uh, our song, The Lord's My Shepherd. Uh, as that's finished up. Thank you. Uh, Folks, you have in your uh, seats there, uh, and there aren't uh, enough of them, I'm I'm afraid, uh, just some leaflets about the World Development Appeal um, every Christmas uh, at the time of Advent, the Presbyterian Church in Ireland unites uh, to look at some aspect of need within our world uh, under the board of mission in Ireland. And uh, we, uh, there's a committee that works these things out, and they uh, have been focusing uh, last year and on this year on gender-based violence. Um, interestingly, they have focused on Brazil uh, this uh, this uh, winter, this Christmas. And so the monies that we give uh, will be channeled uh, through Tier Fund and through Christian Aid to this work in Brazil. And so the little video that you're about to watch uh, is about a work in Brazil uh, and a church-based work uh, on gender violence. That as well, some of you will already know that Uh, David Boyd's uh, sister, Karen, died suddenly this week, and uh, that's why he's not here, so we want to pray for them as well. So let's just bow our heads and talk to God. Father, when we watch the video about violence against women in marriages in particular, Lord, it goes against the very nature of who you are, because you have revealed yourself as love. And violence of all kinds is sinful, and particularly within the covenant of marriage, and it's specifically horrendous uh, in that context. Father, you tell husbands to love your wives. And so, Lord, we want to stand with these women in Brazil. We believe them. We sympathize with them. We're angry and appalled. And Father, thank you for the vision of the authorities and the churches to set up this particular safe house. We pray for the Reverend Ferreira and her sister and for all the staff. We pray for the ladies, that they will have security and peace, and that, Father, that they will have hope, and particularly as we in this part of the world find it in our hearts to support that work through our financial giving. We pray that they will find hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they will find forgiveness for themselves, and that, Father, that they will find in that community a meeting of needs and the many other needs that they have. And, Father, we pray for their abusers. We pray that they will admit their sin and their guilt. We pray that they will be brought to justice, and yet that they will find mercy and forgiveness. And, Father, these are not easy things to pray, but we pray that you will do that to the honor of your glory. Father, we want to remember David, particularly this morning on the death of his sister, Karen. We know that this is a difficult and sad time for them, that there is grief in their family. And we want to pray that you will be with the family as they gather together, as they plan the funeral, and that, Father, that Karen will be buried with dignity, that the family will know your comfort and your hope. And we particularly pray that you will be with them as they travel from different parts of the world and that they will know safety. And Father, we realize that though this is the beginning of Advent, for many it is a time of sadness as they remember loved ones. We want to acknowledge those who grieve. and We want to remember, uh, Lord, all those who have lost loved ones at this time of the year. Father, we thank you for yesterday's uh, experience of the living well. And we thank you, Father, that we have hope in the end of life. We thank you that our reference to you gives us hope that you are sovereign over death, that you give us victory over death, that there is hope beyond the grave. Father, we pray that we will be, you know, conscious of those who are lonely, who feel the burden of ill health, who have no relationships on which they can depend. And Father, we pray that we as a community will walk with these folks and that, Father, that we will be your eyes, your hands, your feet, your voice to them. And Father, we thank you for the walk of light, for the opportunity that we had to declare on our streets that Jesus is the light of the world. We want to thank you that as a community, we were able to welcome people and to serve them, that we were able to teach them the scriptures, that we were able to sing to them of the joy of the Lord. And Father, we thank you that we were able to serve our community in this way. And so, Father, we realize that it's tough out there and that many people do suffer and that, Father, that there is much grief. And Father, we pray that we will take what we've heard today, that we will walk with them patiently, that we will walk with them in perseverance, and that, Father, that we will help where we can. And we pray and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, let's stand to finish our service by singing uh, this great hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus as soldiers of the cross. Let's do that. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. And there's some very special treats and everything downstairs, so I want to encourage you to have tea and coffee and to see how the Brazilians um, celebrate a first birthday party.